0: To the Better People podcast. I'm Margaret Urich, and today's episode, we're talking to Cora Walker, Chief Human Resources Officer at Omni Cable. So welcome, Cora.
1: Thank you, Margaret. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, we are very excited to have you today. And I know we're going to have an awesome conversation. Um, before we just jump right in, which is something I usually like to do, I am going to ask um, for you to just share a little bit of your background. What do you think would be most helpful for our listeners to know about you?
1: Sure. Um. Thank you. So I am not an HR professional by trade. I went to a school for hospitality out in Washington State University on the other side of the country. Um, along the way, I've had lots of great experience working in Fortune 500 companies. I landed my first job with Aramark, went into an HR training program because the recruiter said, you know what, this would be a great fit for you. And I was like, Oh, okay. If you say so. What I knew was it was a great job. It paid really good money. And I got to move to Philadelphia. I grew up in Boise, Idaho. So that seemed like a pretty good adventure. And I really, really owe the HR foundational training to Aramark. They're an awesome company from that perspective, traveled all over the country with them, um, progressed through a talent acquisition uh, um, adventure for a little while. I would totally encourage anyone in HR to spend some time in talent acquisition, especially Mm -hmm. these days. It's extremely helpful to have. Um, And then really focused in on supporting businesses with um, really large populations of hourly employees. So lots of non-exempt workforce experience, lots of union experience. Um, And it just kind of ended up being my thing. I loved the business, um, both from an Aramark perspective. I went into um, a company that did distribution, um, found out that, wow, there's a lot of um, similarities between hospitality and distribution, which sounds weird, but from a non-exempt workforce perspective, the those are the people you're competing with um, to attract to be your employees. And so it just was a really good fit for me. Um, I really love business and SVP and operations encouraged me to get my MBA. I thought for a few minutes I might leave HR and go into operations. That's how much I loved the workforce. Um and then this Omni Cable thing kind of landed in my lap. Um, so always take calls from recruiters. I, I definitely encourage that. <laughs> okay. Even if you're taking the call to say thank you so much for thinking of me, I'm really not interested, which was kind of my first answer for Omni. Um, and then I took the call again, and I'm grateful that I did because um, it was a really nice opportunity to take years of experience in a corporate HR function and apply that very, very differently in a real small company with a very aggressive growth strategy. Um, and so I think just being open to those opportunities and maybe spending some time thinking about, you know, I've done a lot of different things in HR. What do I really want to do next? Right. Because you can always go find, another job. Um I was sort of like I don't know if I'm looking to find another job so much as I'm looking to do something a little different with the experience that I've gained so far. So.
0: And what was that, that... Oh no, that was awesome. Well, oh, so a couple of questions. So you sure. came to Philly for Aramark and I'm I'm yeah. born and raised Philadelphia and and I live in the suburbs now but you know from the yeah. area. So what I heard you say was you came to Philly for a job with Aramark, traveled yes. all around but found your way back here. So you must like it in this area.
1: We do. We really like it in this area. So, um, my whole family lives in Idaho. When, when I told them I was moving to Philadelphia, my parents were like, Oh no, 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 no. That's, no. That's
0: happening.
1: <laughs> and I was like, well, you're the ones who said get a degree and go. So guess what? I'm going, um, so yeah, Aramark moved me all over. I lived in Colorado, um, Connecticut. I met my husband who's from New York. Um, interestingly enough, youngest of five is a Villanova um, graduate. So oh, okay. randomly, right? I don't even think I knew Villanova existed when I met him. I, I had no idea what it was. Um, and so we lived in New York for about 12 years, started a family there. His whole family's um, from New York. And I had a job opportunity, but the job opportunity was in Philadelphia. And Aramark used to give me a really bad time because I never lived outside of the first year of my work experience with them. Mm-hmm. I never lived in Philadelphia after that. I lived all over the place. Um, I worked virtually before working virtually was a thing. Um, wow. But the way Aramark is set up with the lines of business, it's very regionalized. And so I generally lived in region, which was fine. It just was weird that I was a corporate employee that lived in region. Um but that worked out really well for me. And when I left them, I left to take a job in Philadelphia and they were like, wait a minute, we're headquartered (laughs) in Philadelphia and you're leaving us. So we came back because of the job opportunity and we honestly rented when we first came here, we sold our house in New York and we said we're going to rent because we're not sure Philly is really for us. Right. Obviously my husband had spent time here um, while he was in college has some very, very good friends in this area. And um, after the first year, we started looking, uh, we loved it. And I don't think we would probably ever move at this point. We we truly, truly love the area. I love the city of Philadelphia. Um, and our kids are kind of all around this area too, which is nice.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Good. All right. Well, let's get into what we wanted to talk about that. Well, what we wanted to talk about today, and that is, I mean, there's so much we could talk about, obviously, but really what I'd love for you to share with our listeners today is this story that you have around culture. And I, and I know, as you said earlier, when we were talking about right, cultures, that buzzwords that you know that's out there, everyone talks about culture, wanting to have it, having it, wanting to improve it, whatever it might be, looking for the right culture, all that good stuff. Um, you've got a great story to tell, and, and it started several years ago, and it involved uh, some good lessons learned here. So, so tell us where it all started with, with Omni Cable and the culture journey. Sure.
1: Um, So in 2018, I joined Omni Cable. Um, I joined up with a CEO who has a fortune 500 background. Our interview was pretty unique. Um, And he said, you know, why, why would you want to make this change? And I said, well, first of all, you called me. So (laughs) I'm not really sure (laughs) yet. (laughs) Number two is, I'm not sure I'm convinced yet, but number two is you have this very dynamic approach to what you want from a head of HR, right? I want a business partner. Okay, that's pretty, um, uh, pretty understanding. Want someone who understands HR, got it. Um, But really, I want someone who can help us um, in terms of this focus on people, right? I care a lot about people. I want our company to do well because I want people to have um, this great opportunity career growth, stability, right? Do whatever you do as a person, um, but we should really enable people to to be able to do that. And I was like, wow, not heard a CEO say that. So it was an employee owned company when I got here, uh, 37% um, ESOP owned. And in my mind, that was a pretty cool thing. I was excited to learn about it. I went to an ESOP conference and found out there's a whole lot of ESOP companies out there, including Wawa is a huge ESOP company. Mm -hmm. Um, And... Then, to my surprise, our owner who started the company um, decided that he might consider retirement a bit earlier than we had expected. Um, Real savvy guy. So I'm sure that there were lots of factors that went into that. But in 2019, we were purchased by a private family holding company. Um, And so this tradition this sort of culture that omni had cultivated not on purpose not because culture was the thing that you did um, but just because the investment in employees and employee ownership was a really powerful motivator for this company um it was sort of like we were announcing you know the death of a family member i mean people were like wait what are you doing now why why would you do that right Um, imagine yeah And and financially for employees, this was huge. I mean, our sale was awesome in 2019. There was nothing bad about it from a financial perspective. We paid employees for their shares and we paid them like three and a half times what the value of their shares were. Um, I say we are family holding company right. did. Um, and so there was a lot to celebrate and we really went hard at, we're going to celebrate this massive success. Look what you built, right? You guys built this amazing thing. Look at this value. Um, and that was our focus, right? Like let's, let's um, kind of rally around this and make it exciting. And we probably did an okay job with that and missed the point a little bit. We had people with really hurt feelings about not being owners. They got scared. They were worried about their jobs. Well, I'm not an owner now, so you can just let me go. And I'm like, well, we wouldn't do that, right? But that's not, that's not reassuring for people. They're like, you're changing a whole lot about what I thought I was here to do. Um, Now we did encourage, right? Tomorrow you're going to come and we'll be owned by someone else. But ultimately, you will come here and do the same job. You'll have the same opportunities, right? And the next day you're gonna do that. And the following day you're gonna do that. We kept hearing this very nagging like, oh yeah, but what about our culture? I don't understand what about the culture, right? Nothing's going to change. And for them, the change had already happened, right? They were so invested in employee ownership. That's what they associated with culture. And we failed miserably to acknowledge and accept that for them. And so we just kept saying, it's fine. It's all fine. The culture's the same. Um, meanwhile, they're like, no, 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 we've already experienced the loss. It can't possibly be the same because it's not here
0: anymore. Um, and That so- is really interesting. And I'm just going to interrupt you for a moment because you know, what's coming to me right now is you're saying this and it's, you know, the, as a leader in the organization, you take on this, um, this need if you want to, right. If you're going to, if you want to do something about culture in your organization, it's the leaders that are saying, well, we have to, we have to do something right. What's the culture we want. And yet it's really created by the employees, the culture. And yeah. So your, your employees lost the culture they had and um, that they had created. And now yep. it's gone. Yeah.
1: Yep. Interesting. And we were busy convincing them that it was fine.
0: <laughs> yeah. And they're um, saying, no, it's, it's changed. It's not right. what we created. Yeah. Right.
1: So. Right. The pandemic hit, obviously, no one, (laughs) I don't think anyone had a great, um, fun, exciting time and certainly probably wasn't building a lot of culture in 2020. Um, And looking back on that, we did some pretty cool things in terms of helping employees adjust to this move home. We run distribution centers. You can't work from home in the distribution center. So more than half of our employee population from day one of the pandemic until today have been showing up every single day to work. So we tried to then shift a focus that said, look, we got to focus on our DC employees, their safety, um, their mental well-being. So we started doing some different things. And suddenly there there started to be this talk about, oh, hey, listen, like maybe we're going to be okay. Maybe these leaders really do know us and care about us um, because of some of this activity. So culture as a leadership topic kind of made a comeback the end of 2020 and frankly we didn't do a great job we talked a lot people had tons of ideas um we talked about those ideas we moved along our merry way we grew we grew we grew um and all along the growth um, process even with our parent company right who has an incredible culture um We did a lot of talking and we didn't do anything very differently except for, say, we wanted to do some things differently. And so 2021 sort of came and went. And I remember Greg, our CEO, saying to me, the end of 21, if you could do anything differently about this year, what would you have done? And I'm like, honestly, Greg... We're making no progress on culture, right? We still have this very kind of mixed review in terms of is culture lost with the ESOP never to return to Omni Cable? Do we have a culture? If we do, what is it? Um, and how would you know? And he was like, "Yeah,
0: <laughs> you know so, what you're so, right." But how did you know, Cor? Like, what made you say that? What were you sensing, feeling, hearing? Sure.
1: Um, Well, I mean, you know, people are
0: exhausted,
1: absolutely exhausted Mm -hmm. because COVID took a lot. I mean, I'm just I'm and I'm um, unfairly calling COVID 2020. I recognize COVID went much, much, much longer than that. It was dramatic in 2020. We didn't start returning people to the office until 2022. But we had pockets of people coming and going in 2021. And as a leadership team, we started traveling again in 2021. And so I think the biggest thing for me was. As I reconnected with our locations, as you went to Seattle, Washington, or you went to Houston, Texas, and started reconnecting, what you realized was there were still a good number of people who were struggling, not just from Mm -hmm. COVID, but still trying to get over the loss of their ownership, right? And I'm thinking to myself oh my gosh, this was so long ago. So much has changed since then. Um, but then you saw other pockets. Now, mind you, we're growing like crazy. So we are hiring like crazy. You started to see these other pockets where facilities who had maybe made one or two new hires in the last few years were making three and four new hires a month. And they wow. just, to keep up with the growth, which wasn't super easy. And we weren't really good at and so what became very obvious to me was very leader dependent. We would hire and have successful onboarding and retain people. That was the minority for us. Most of our leaders were hiring because I was desperate to get someone in. I didn't tell them anything about Omni Cable. I just told them the hours and what was expected of them. And man, if, if you've driven a forklift before, you'll probably work just fine here. And people were leaving. They were leaving at 60 days, 90 days, 120 days, right? just leaving. And consistently people leaving told us I had no idea what to expect here. I didn't know. And, and I think part of that was because we didn't know how to recruit and interview and bring people on. If you've been here 20 years and over that 20 years, you've trained 10 people. Cause that was about the rate we were hiring at. Um, no problem. But if tomorrow we ask you to train five people and then the following week, two more new ones come in and then the, you start to go, whoa, 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 this is my job's not training. My job's running this machine, right? Yeah. Um. So that was a lot of it. It was just a lot of those observations from the travel and the hiring pieces and our our honestly miserable failure in 2021 to, to keep up with staffing and uh, our, our turnover increased and so that was my reflection to Greg. Like, okay. I have all this evidence, right? That just, we are just not.
0: Something's not right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: Which stunk because our leaders are really invested. I mean, they talk about culture all the time and I'm like, okay, but but so what, right? Um, so that led to this meeting that Greg called. I think he finally just was like, you know what? It's not gonna happen unless we invest a very specific um amount of time to start off with, right? Sure expense, but we we flew and traveled anyway. So he said, look, 15, our leadership team, Omnicable leadership team is about 15 people. 15 people, meet me in Chicago. Um we're gonna do a one-day meeting. There was no agenda.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: <laughs> we were all like, oh no, did he buy something? <laughs> <laughs> Um, and that was the beginning of the Omni Cable culture adventure. We got into the conference room and he said, look, you're free to come and go to use the restroom, get, you know, something to drink, have lunch, right? Whatever. But no one leaves this room until we have this culture conversation. What is it? What does it mean to the 15 mm-hmm. of you? What do we think it looks like? The room was covered in, you know, big post-it note, flip chart papers. We had stuff everywhere. I mean, it looked like we've been camping there for days. Wow. Um, There's a lot of good stuff, a lot. Um, so at the end of that meeting, he looked at me and said, so here's your job now, right? This is where you come in. And I already had started sketching because I know Greg well. And I'm like, what's going to happen is all this has to get vetted because we love brainstorming as leaders. We love it, but we are also really cognizant of this idea that all the decisions get made behind a closed door in the conference room, which was exactly what we were doing. Like that's a no, we can't do that. So I'd started kind of charting out a project plan. How will we vet these ideas through our population and make sure that we're getting representation from people at the corporate offices, people in the sales teams, our, our distribution center employees, Um, And so the end of that meeting was committing to a timeframe, which we set a very aggressive timeframe and didn't meet all of our deadlines, but it was a big project. I mean, this took us almost seven months um, to really culminate around what we decided on was we need something simple, a one pager that helps people understand our mission, vision, values, which we already had. Mm -hmm. And then how does that get lived? What are the things? that we expect and do and hold each other accountable for in a way that is easily digestible. That if you're interviewing a VP of operations or a distribution center associate, it resonates with those people.
0: Okay. So So. you created a one pager um, that now is helping you. This is the the guidelines or this is the blueprint for your culture. Is that fair to say? Yeah.
1: Very fair to say.
0: So what have you done with this one pager? How has it helped?
1: So we put the one pager up against employee lifecycle. And we said, how does the one pager apply in any stage that an employee might be with us? And we kind of just charted out, right, different departments weighing in on different things that were meaningful for their department around whether it was a career development conversation or um, an improvement plan conversation, right? Because if you're putting someone on an improvement plan, you better be invested in helping them improve right? We're not putting people on improvement plans to manage them out. So if that's what you were thinking, the one pager, it doesn't allow for that anymore, right? We, we can't do it like that. Um, so we kind of put it up against this test. Now, that's a very desk assignment, right? That's something mm-hmm. that you gather people in a room, you talk through, you chart out. Um, and, and so the big thing for us was, okay, good. We know what this means as a leadership team, but how will everyone else know? And that led us to this crazy adventure we went on the beginning of this year. Um, we spent three weeks traveling to, ev- nine of us traveled to every location. We had the one pagers laminated. They're beautiful. Um, Every team got lunch. We literally closed operations for like an hour, brought people in. That's huge. Yep. And it was a lunch and learn. And if you, so our our CEO is awesome because he loves engaging with people. So he would roll in, Hey, Denver, how is everyone? Right. People would be on the phones. He's running around talking to people. Um, So we did a distribution center tour in every location, That pretty much means you're shaking hands with every single employee, right? Hi, I'm Cora. Nice to meet you. Um, Brought everyone in, had lunch, went over the one pager, and opened it up for questions. Um, We planted a few questions just to make sure we got things going, right? But for the most part, had pretty organic conversations. And we have people challenge us in a couple ways. Wow. Well, I don't see that happening here, right? I, I can give you an example of how that didn't happen yesterday. And we were like, Great. Thank you for being honest. Right. Right. So it was it was an insane trip. I mean, 16 locations, including a spot in Canada um, in three weeks is a lot to do.
0: That's a a really
1: big investment of time Mm -hmm. and money and effort and energy, which was part of the point. Right. Part of Greg's point was like, yes, we are going to disrupt the business and the leader schedules because that's important. That's how important this is, because we had in some cases, our regional managers like, I'm sorry, you You wanna do what? You wanna close the operation for an hour? Like, no, 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 we've never closed the operation. (laughs) Well, that's where we are now. Yeah, so um, that was a big statement, and um, and then we started talking, so we have a leadership program called Leader Accelerator. We started um, integrating the culture statements with the skills intensives. So as you're talking mm-hmm. about goal setting with leaders, you're referring back to when we goal set, how does that show up in terms of enhancing or enabling the culture that we've committed to? So there's a lot of, I call it a closed loop process, right? There's a lot of what are the activities we do every day? Mm -hmm. And then how do you align those activities to the culture, which is our foundation in a way that reinforces activity that demonstrates support of the culture. So it's a lot of like, um, intentional focus on does this come alive when we do this skills intensive on goal setting? If it doesn't, back to the drawing board. Right. Um, and then kind of following that through each step of the
0: process. So where are you at with this now? Have you done it for the whole employee life cycle? I mean, are you like, is, is it fully implemented or is there still work to do with it?
1: There's, um, there's still work to do. Uh, and I'm not, I don't know if I will ever be in a position where I say it's fully implemented. And I think it's because, i'll give you an example here's an example of it being really really well implemented when it comes to distribution center associates we decided to do away with our attendance policy our attendance policy is an archaic policy it's number of instances there's a rolling calendar year everyone hates it right it's a check the box way for often managers to manage people out and i said well that's not very supportive of a culture especially not the one we've created. Um, And so it took some doing. Uh, We had a lot of resistance from some of our distributions and our leaders. Um, It took some doing, but ultimately we said, we can't possibly have this as an attendance policy if we are telling people when we hire them that this is what our culture looks like. So we focused in on a much more broad corrective action policy that is all about, right? Meeting someone where they are, being open and honest about, your behaviors, right? Your capabilities, aligning people to places where they can be successful. Is it harder? Yes, it is harder than an attendance policy. Does it take more time? Absolutely, it does. But guess what? If you care about this person, right? If you're living our culture, then that's what you do. There really isn't another way. Where we're not good at it, where we still need a lot of implementation, mm-hmm. is when we offboard people right it sounds weird oh. mm-hmm. but we don't thankfully not good. we don't offboard that many people and we're not very good at offboarding. Um, and a lot of times people just go, right? We have distributions in our employees. They find something for $2 an hour or more. It's down closer to where they live, and they just go. They may or may not provide two weeks' notice. You may or may not hear from them again. Um, and even in that case, right, I would say we could probably still do a better job with the offboarding. Um, we haven't even looked at offboarding alongside the culture, right? We've just said okay. this is the list of things we do when we offboard. Oops okay, well, is that leaving someone with the impression that we appreciated the work they did while they were here and we care about their success going forward? Because guess what? If they ever want to come back, Mm -hmm. I'd like them to leave with the sense of I made a difference there or someone cared about me, right? Um, So no, we're not all the way through the employee life cycle. Um, Some things we do really well. Some things we do okay, And we're working on improving. Um, But I think that's part of the culture as well, is that we've agreed that we're going to be honest about where we are. So you got to kind of call out the bad stuff, right? You have to be willing to say, oh, man, we stink at that.
0: (laughs) Well, and you do. I mean, it's just being um, really objective. And that's the only way that you will continue to bring about the changes that you need to bring about. So curious, if you were to go back to those same employees, you know, that right after 2021 or during 2021 said, no, this culture is not good now. Like it's not what we had. How do you think they would describe the culture now? Or how do you think they would, um, how do you think they feel about the culture now?
1: Sure. Um, so there's two of them that stand out in my mind because this is part of our action, right? Is Mm -hmm. continuous follow-up, checking back in. We know who was vocal and unhappy about the culture. And so guess what? We go talk to those people a lot. Um, So I've got two totally different stories. On the one hand, um, one of our distribution center leaders who went through by far the worst, worst integration of two teams um, we've ever done. We were moving teams from different buildings into one building. It was terrible. We're still suffering consequences of that um, because we didn't plan well and we didn't do the right thing for the people. And he was the leader at the time, and he was very disengaged around company culture because he had tenure and was part of the ESOP and was on the ESOP committee and very, very, very passionate. So for him in 2021, we were all a bunch of idiots who didn't recognize the loss that people had suffered. Um, And then we sort of put him through this very traumatic integration without the right support. And so for anyone to be disengaged, he was rightfully disengaged. And I remember going to him and saying, so we're going to take this project on. And this is the time that we've spent and invested. And he basically was like, Cora, I don't know how to help you. Right. I, I don't mm-hmm. know that I'm the right person. I'm like, you are the right person because you're one of the people that if we could bring you back, it would be like night and day. Right. If, if you mm-hmm. come, other people will come and he's like, I don't know what it is that you see in me that makes you want me to even try, right? Like I'm, I'm angry and disappointed. <laughs> and I'm like, That's why. What why I an awesome try.
0: conversation! I mean, truly, so wow. Great.
1: Well, and he and I've spent a lot of time together, right? This isn't just someone that I know from, like, oh, hey, I see your face on right. the org chart, right? I've spent a lot of time with this guy. We had a lot, a lot, a lot of issues. And so okay. I knew the other thing is I knew he would be honest, right? He he wasn't someone who felt like if I say something wrong, I'll be fired. He was more like if I say something wrong, maybe someone will like get something done about it, um, which was also the reason that I said you're part of the reason why I'm asking because you expect us to do something different and I'm offering you the opportunity to hold us accountable around those expectations
0: yeah. and to be part of it.
1: Yeah. So he, today he will tell you he lives and dies by the culture statements. Um, he was awesome during our tour. When we showed up in his facilities, he had examples of employees who he said, this person lives this culture statement. Right. And then would give an example of something that they've done. Like he jumped all in with both feet up to his eyeballs and was like, if if this is what we're doing, then I'm doing it all the way. But man, if you guys don't, like come along with this, right. We're going to have problems. Um, and he's been great. My second example, we're not quite there yet. There's still some hesitation. There's still some hurt feelings, um, around giving up the Aesop, you know, we're five, six years later now. And, um, he is very much like, this is a wait and see, maybe, maybe I believe you, um, we'll see. Uh, so I spend more time with that person, uh, because he has, people under him. So he is a people leader. And to me, if the people leaders can't wrap their head around it, we don't have really a fighting chance, right? I need them to kind of be on board and aligned. So that's someone who does great work, who has a very loyal and invested team. Um, This is an area that he's not totally sold on. And so the reality for us is I either need to I, his leader, others need to figure out how to help him get engaged and make sure that we are meeting him where he's at, um, or we're going to have to do something different, right? Because you can't just go, go, go forever. Um, but man, if we've, if we've gone this far five years later, um, and there's some progress being made and there's, you know, a little bit of give and take, then I kind of feel like don't give up now. We've already, we've already invested.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Wow. That's so. I love that you um, are so in tune with your leaders and where they're at, right? That you're having these regular conversations. You understand where they're at. You really have a great sense for what they need. And, and that's amazing. And I think that's what it takes, you know?
1: It definitely does. I think so Omni Cable, I mean, almost on accident and, and probably not, right? I should give our owner a lot more credit. Um, really smart guy, very dynamic um, human who really likes people, The core group of people that he hired when this company started and that they ultimately brought on um, to grow the company, a lot of that core group is still with us, right? And so he made great hiring decisions. He hired really good, strong people. The reality though is, when you're that small company and you're kind of growing up and doing things, um, you are not investing in leadership development. It's just not what you do, right? You're building teams, you're expanding Mm -hmm. footprint. And so, where we did align in 2019 was we don't have a way to upskill our leaders. We don't have a way to build capabilities that is consistent across the whole company. You have pockets of that happening because you've got dynamic you know, senior leaders Mm -hmm. um, who maybe even are investing part of their budget and sending these folks out for training, right? They're not looking in for training because we didn't have anything. Um, And so that was a key piece in 21. While we did a terrible job on culture, we did an awesome job saying we will implement a leadership program. Um, And I give our HR director a ton of credit because had it not been for her saying, I'm not taking no for an answer, right? We're doing this. And she went out and championed with other senior leaders Mm -hmm. to make the appeal that when it came time to say yes to this gigantic budget, right? I mean, it's not inexpensive. No, it's Um, not she had done all the right things, right? She spent time out in the business planting the seeds and talking about it. And right, this is why Um, we'd invested with um, the same company who does our leadership accelerator, does our engagement survey. So there was an immediate tie, right? We're going to take those Mm -hmm. survey results and your action plans, and we're going to set up these skills intensives to be very, very intentional. I mean, talk about a closed loop process, right? She is on it with these things. But that was a big piece for us. It was, like we had done this whole build out of a company without thinking about how to help people leading um, continue to upskill and develop. And so that became really important. And now, as we're doing all that, leader accelerator has absolutely accelerated um, where we're at in terms of a leadership perspective, but it's daily care and feeding, right? And if if you're not interested in daily care and feeding for people leaders, don't expect them to be interested in daily care and feeding of their employees, right? Because it's just not how it works.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I think I'm going to have to steal that line from you. Uh it's I don't think there have been true words that have been spoken and and it's it's just so spot on. And it really is, it's a daily practice.
1: It is. And it's hard, right? When you have been rewarded handsomely for working hard, head down knocking it out, And you ask that person to go think about people every single day and what they're doing and how to care about them. That's a completely different way to spend your time and energy and brain power. Right. Um, And it's a lot less objective for a long time. Um, I feel like sometimes you just wake up one day and you go, Oh, now I get it. Versus when you work hard at tasking and you get things done, every day you go, oh, look at that. I get it, right? I get it.
0: exactly. I figured this out. I look what I've accomplished. Right. Exactly. It's it's it is easier to see. I think it is easier for people to focus on. Um, I I know in the work that I do with leaders, one of the things that I found is that they're really good at, you know, especially if they're in that player coach role, right? The area where they're playing they're great and that's what they were trained in that's what they wanted to do and they continue to improve in those areas it's the coach area where if they could see that they really just need to continuously daily feed right uh care and feed is that how you put it or feed and yep, care. Daily care uh, and feeding care that needs that as well it needs the same type of attention and then you will have a payoff of equal proportion, it's just going to look different. And it, it, that's a, it's hard for people to, to I think, come around to that for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it definitely yeah. is. Um, I'm encouraged. I mean, I, I do think, right, I look around now and I say, I was talking to a candidate the other day and I said, hey, by chance, did anyone talk to you about our culture statements? And, they, and the um, woman said, oh, in fact, I got the one pager. And I was like, yes. Yay, right? Like I think, believe me, I it's not like we didn't mandate it, right? Hey, recruiters, the right. one pager goes out here. Hey, hiring manager, refer to the one pager, right? Of course you mandate it, but just because you mandate it doesn't mean it's actually happening. Um, and so I love when I hear that, right? When they're like, Oh, core, I already got that. I'm like, Well, thank goodness, because I'm your third interview, and if you haven't gotten it yet, right, I'll right. give it to right. you. But um, so awesome. when there's evidence. That the things that we said are important are actually important to the people doing them when there's evidence of that, right? You go, oh, a little bit back to your, like, you know, is it implemented? No, but that we have a lot of evidence that it is taking hold and that ultimately people are starting to buy in, believe it, right? They look around and say, yeah, this looks like what our culture statement says. Um, And if it doesn't, we have got some folks who've been pretty brave to call it out, which I, Appreciate, right? Awesome. Like,
0: exactly. How else will you know? You know, and it truly is a matter of getting people to live and breathe it. Because even that one pager, which I'm sure is amazing, right? And it's laminated and everything. I'm sure it looks beautiful. But until people live and breathe it, nothing will change. Right. What you're doing, paper. which which is so amazing, is that you're creating the um, opportunities. You're creating the the policies, the procedures, the way, the opportunities for people to actually do that to manage to the page, to work to the page. I mean, that's just great.
1: Yes. Um, And it's intentional, right? You said that word early, early on in our conversation. And Mm -hmm. that is probably the thing I say more than anything else throughout the day with intention, intentional, intentionally, right? Exactly. <laughs> it's not, I, I used to say it about the engagement survey all the time. The engagement statements are not a secret, right? If you want engagement results to improve, you educate your employees on engagement statements, why they're important, how how do you know, right? Mm-hmm. What does this look like? Um, and you constantly reinforce it. You, with intention, create an engaged environment because you care, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so sometimes I think people are like, Cory, you're cheating. You can't tell them the statements. Like, how will we know if people are really engaged if they <laughs> already know the answers? And I'm right. like, the statements are not the answers, right? How someone feels in response right. to that is the answer. I would much rather them know what to expect because guess what? If that's not true for them, it will also be much more apparent on this engagement survey and that's the purpose we need to know um so yes lots of intentional activity um when we're our best selves which hopefully is 90 percent of the time
0: (laughs) and that is really what it will take to to i mean culture forms no matter what right the culture just naturally happens If you want it to be a specific way, you have to be intentional about it and um, kudos to you and to your organization really to take the time to do that. So this has been an awesome conversation. You and I could probably keep talking all day. Um, But so my last question for you, and I love just to ask everybody this question is when you look back on your career, what is one thing that you've maybe changed your mind about?
1: Oh my gosh. I have a long list of things I've changed my mind about. Um, Oh my goodness. I think one thing I've changed my mind about is I had a leader for a long time talk about giving people the benefit of the doubt. And I truly believe, right, you show up and you're willing to give anyone and everyone the benefit of the doubt. I think what's changed for me the most is that opportunity has not truly been extended to everyone. Um, It gets extended where we're comfortable. It gets extended where we're safe. It gets extended where we know the answer already. That's easy. It's easy to give the benefit of the doubt in those situations. Um, I think where it is hard, we do it less. Um, We probably judge more first, especially. Um, And so this opportunity around benefit of the doubt being Uncomfortable and challenging in a lot of cases, where I used to probably just say nothing if I noticed it was happening, right? I now say it out loud all the time over and over again, right? Because that's where it means the most. It's hard to do when you don't feel safe, comfortable, you're unsure of the answer. I might look like an idiot. What if someone calls me out? Um, but at the end of the day, we're people, right? Human beings. If I can't extend the benefit of the doubt, regardless of how I feel internally, then what? Right. Then you're creating more of things that don't work for humans. Um, And so I think that's probably the biggest thing is just you'd be be willing to put yourself in a situation to call it out more um, and recognize that sometimes that's not going to make you the most popular person in the room.
0: And that's okay, Right. Right. Because you're doing it for a good reason something you believe in it sounds like
1: absolutely yeah
0: Yeah. well that's great Cora thank you so much for your time today for sharing all of this information with our listeners like I said culture is something I think everybody is talking about which is great Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of people are where you were back in 2019 right or 2020 they're talking about it and it's like how do we actually do something about it so thanks for sharing the process that you guys went through it was great you're welcome thank
1: you very much Margaret it was a pleasure to meet you and to spend some time with you today
0: Thank you for listening. We hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. Before we go, we want to thank the sponsor of our show, the Mid-Atlantic Employers Association, more commonly referred to as MEA. MEA provides human resources services to hundreds of businesses across numerous industries every day, bridging gaps that restrain innovation and growth.
1: If you need support around people issues, reach out to MEainfo.org. Better people, better outcomes.